So we've been working through this passage of, of John. Uh, the last night when, before Jesus is betrayed, when he's talking with his disciples. And uh, we preached part of it, or we read for the first part of it, 15, uh, 1 to 8, where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. And, and this, for, for the last three weeks, I've been reading this passage over and over. And, and it's been surprising to me how difficult it is, how difficult it has been for me to um, listen and to hear, Lord, what do you want me to say in uh, in our family on Sunday. And I think part of it is because there's so many things. There's so many things that Jesus says here. There's probably like, if, if that's what I think was getting so difficult for me. There's probably like 10 sermons in this passage and trying to listen, Lord, what, what do you want to say? What do we need to hear this morning? And, and I, um, I had it all written on Thursday and then reading through it again, I just like saved that one and put it aside and wrote a different um, God was different something uh, yesterday. So um, just trying to listen to the Lord. But as I've been listening to him, I've been thinking some about um, this command that Jesus gives us twice in this passage to love one another. And uh, it makes me think some about our family, um, our church family, obviously, but also my person like Tracy and I and our sons and and how... We love each other even when there's times when we drive each other crazy. And, you know, yesterday um, I was in Vancouver for a meeting with some other pastors from the Canadian conference. And um, so I got home yesterday, I flew into Castlegar, and, you know, the boys were excited to see me. And was, But it didn't take too long before Shannon was already starting to, I don't know if he didn't sleep well. Oh, no, he didn't sleep well the night before. So he was already kind of grumpy and moody and, and just like frustrating, you know, even though I'd been away and, and thinking about how we love our family even when they're difficult. How many of you have had that experience? Anybody? You know, you love your family even when they're difficult? And I'm laughing because it's not just our kids. I mean, uh, Shalem, after dinner, we had, um, after lunch, we had some dessert. And so Tracy gave him a handful of M&Ms. And Shalem's just putting them all in his mouth. It looks like that. And, and, and she's saying, don't put something in your mouth, you're going to choke. And then I start smiling at him and making faces, and he starts laughing. And then she looks at me and she says, stop it, he's going to choke. And I couldn't help it. I just kept, we kept playing and laughing. And, and Tracy says, I, am, I have three kids. I have three little boys that I have to... <laughs> and how... Um, how even, I mean, she was only mildly frustrated. She's been really frustrated me at other times, trust me. But... Um, where, yeah, anyways. Um, <laughs> but, but she still loves me, and we still love each other as a family. And, and as I'm listening to Jesus and his words here, to this command to love one another, I'm thinking again of how grateful I am for this church family and how we love and care for one another. And it's not perfectly, I know. I mean, we all have stories, right, of when we've been hurt, even by this church family or, or another church family. But listening to Jesus' words and his command, it's not a suggestion, it's a command to love one another. So listen to these, these words. If you have in your Bibles, you want to turn to John 15, verse 9. Um, and I can read this here too. It's also in your bulletins if you just want to read it there. So Jesus says, um, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. 
If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that, your, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that they lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and to bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other. Now there's tons here. And I've been wrestling with it for the last three weeks. There's tons of, uh, for us to draw out of this. But the main point I hear Jesus saying is stay in my love and stay in my love by loving each other. There's this connection. Stay in my love by loving each other. But he begins by saying, as my Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So stay in my love. And it's interesting because this word stay, it's actually a command. He says, remain. Stay in my love. And here's the key to it. It's in this passage right here. He says, stay in my love. But he begins, we get, the key is this, is that as the Father has loved me, I have loved you. Before everything else, we begin at that place that Jesus, that God has loved us. That God has loved us. He loved us completely. Perfectly. Fully. To the point that he sacrificed himself for us. This is how God has loved us. And that's encouraging because no longer is our love for each other dependent on what we get out of it or dependent on how we feel. Now, I know love has lots of, like, a pretty broad meaning in our community, or sorry, in our culture. But when Jesus says love, he's not saying feel love and feel warm and fuzzy for each other. If that comes, great. It's a blessing. But he's saying love more actively. Demonstrate love. Show love to each other. Because Jesus is the foundation. That's the, the part we begin this morning. Jesus is the foundation. He's the well from which our love comes. If we're going to rely on ourselves, if we're going to love like the rest of the world around us loves, it's not going to work. It's going to fail. But Jesus is this source, this foundation of our love for one another. So that's the part I want us to get first, before we go any further, that Jesus is the source. Jesus is our source of love. The next thing Jesus says is, I command you, I command you to love one another. And actually, he commands it twice. In the middle there, he says, this is my command for you, that you love one another. And then at the very end, the last thing he says, this is my command, love each other. Twice he commands it in this passage, that we love each other. And he says, love as I have loved you. So it's not just to, to, again, like I said, not just to feel love or love like, like we see the world around us loving, but love the way Jesus loved. And he sacrificed himself. 
for this love. No greater love has a person than this than they would lay down their life for their friends. That's precisely what Jesus did, right? Sacrificed everything. Suffering and pain and the cross for us. That's the kind of love that Jesus is talking about, that we love each other with that kind of love. That kind of love is rare in the world around us. I mean, it happens, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's rare. I mean, so often, I mean, like, people, like, our culture teaches us to love stuff, to love things as long as they're useful or helpful to us, and then find something new that we like better. Culture around us teaches us to love people this way, to love people for what they do for us, to love people so long as they love us back. Our culture teaches us to, to actually not love people or to, to forget about people who can't pay us back. And yet that's precisely what Jesus talks about, are loving those who can't do anything for you, and yet you keep loving them. It's interesting, as I, this last week, Corbin turned seven. And so yeah, for his birthday, he got uh, some new Lego sets. He loves Lego to build them and play with them and Star Wars Lego. And you should have saw his face. <laughs> uh, just this beaming smile as he's opening these gifts and, and we start building the Lego with him and he has these Lego ships and just beaming smile. He loved it. And I'm not joking. Last night, so like not even a week goes by and he says, last night he says, Dad, can we look at the iPod the iPad, so, because I want to show you, can we look at Lego systems together? I go, oh, really? Why? He goes, because I want to show you the ones that I really want. (laughs) You know, this is how we love. Oh, Dad, I love these Lego. They're so amazing. And then a few days later, let me show you the ones that I really love. You know, we laugh, you know, I mean, Corbin's seven, and I'm... I'm raising a great little consumer, you know. But we do this as adults, too. It's more subtle. We've learned how to do it more subtly. But we don't just do it with Lego. Sometimes we do it with people. Love people for what they can do for us. Love people for what they get us and then drop them when they don't. It's pretty common in the world around us. It's how our world loves. But Jesus calls us to give ourselves up for the sake of the other. In this particular passage, he says, giving ourselves up for the sake of the church family. He's talking to his disciples, to his 12 right now, and he's saying, love each other this way. Give yourself up for each other. And I see glimpses of it in this community. I hear stories of the ways that you love each other. The ways that something goes wrong and someone from the church family drops what they're doing and they show up and help. I hear stories, and I have my own, of how people in the church have said, I asked, you know, can I borrow something? And so, um, actually, you know what, you can have mine. And they just give it to me sacrificing for the sake of each other, caring for each other. See, we live in a culture right now that is just 
absolutely enamored with selfishness. We are taught from the time we are seven years old and desiring and wanting a Lego, we are taught to be consumers, to consume, to use things for our own benefit. And when they stop benefiting us or providing any sort of a joy or, or need or, or necessity, we get rid of them. It's what we're taught. It's drummed into us from every angle. But you can't consume community. You can't consume family. I mean, people do, but it just destroys it. It's interesting, as I, you know, as, as a pastor, I hear people talking about desire for community. And people say, you know, like, I, I feel alone. <laughs> That's what happens when we consume people. Is eventually we find that we're alone. But I hear people saying, I want community. I really want community and connection. But as I hear people asking about that, what, they, what I realize what they're saying is, I want, I want community on my terms. I want community when it's convenient for me. And they say, I want to be connected. And I say, well, well like, will you commit to, to showing up with this group or, or coming to things where, the, where part of your church family are gathered? Will you commit to it? And they'll say, yes, I'm absolutely committed. I will be there. But I know what they mean is I'll be there unless something cooler comes up. <laughs> I will definitely be there unless I don't feel like it. That's what consumer, like as we're taught to be consumers, that's how we treat community. Absolutely, I'm committed unless I kind of don't really want to. But as consumers, we're also taught to treat community a community that we want on our terms, community that looks like us. Yeah, I want community, but I want them to think like me and look like me and be in the same stage of life as me and, and laugh the stuff that I laugh at. I want us to be just together. And that's great when you have really close friends that you have lots, of in, lots in common with. That's great. But community is bigger than that. Community is connection, is loving people who are different than you. Loving people who drive you crazy sometimes. Loving people who you, you don't understand, but you just realize because of Jesus, we are family. And we love each other. This is the kind of love that, that Jesus calls us to. See, there's no shortcuts to community. If you want community on your own terms, you're never going to get it. If you only want community when it's convenient, you'll never get it. That's not how community works. Community loving each other, family. It takes time and sacrifice. There's no shortcut. Now, hopefully, as I talk about community and loving each other, <clears throat> I want to make a distinction. I'm not saying be committed to necessarily like church programs or church ministries or things like that. That's not what I'm saying. There are people here, there are people in our church community who are faithfully following Jesus and they're not really committed to the programs or things of the church. And, and that's okay. That doesn't, that's not, doesn't worry me. What scares me is when people are wanting communion, yet they're not committed to people. When they're disconnected from people, that's when it scares me. 
Because we can't grow as faithful followers of Jesus by ourselves. Sure, we can learn stuff about Jesus. Absolutely. And our relationship with him can grow to a certain extent, but we will never grow to be the kind of people Jesus desires us to be on our own. Christianity, following Jesus, is not a do-it-yourself religion. And I know there are people who try. There are people who are hurt. There are people who have been hurt in church or who just socially, they just don't do well with other people. I get that. But following Jesus, to be fully who God intends us to be, we can't do that on our own. And it's, and it's like, do-it-yourself religion is kind of like the de facto religion in our community. I mean, as I talk with people outside of our church, that's what most people kind of think of in terms of religion. I'm going to take a bit of this and a little bit of that philosophy and a little bit of this um, mysticism. I'm just going to make something for me. But the difficulty is when we do that, we create a God in our own image. We create a God who looks just like us, if there's even a God involved in it, who doesn't challenge us, who lets us just do life the way we want to. That's not what following Jesus is like. Following Jesus calls us to living life his way. And his way is so different than the world around us. And not only was it different from the world around him in the first century, it's different than the world around us in the 21st century. Jesus is calling us to follow him. And we can't do that on our own. We need community to do that. Now, I'm not saying community is easy. I will be the first to tell you loving a church family is not easy. It's good, but it's not easy. And as I've heard from some of you, a few of you have come and said to me, you know, Jason, my heart is broken. I feel all of these people around me, and yet I still feel alone. And if you are in that place, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to keep loving I know it's hard and it feels like, like you keep giving and giving, but I would encourage you to give, continue, and to be patient and to wait. I know some of you are, are really, like, other people is really difficult. Some of you are great, like, just other people are great and you do great socially. Some of you it's difficult, I understand. But Jesus says, keep loving. Love each other. He doesn't say, Love for a little while and see what happens. And if you get a return, then keep loving. If you don't, well, then you're excused. He says, keep loving. So if you were in that place where you feel like I'm trying and I feel like it's not working, I want to encourage you to keep on. To keep loving faithfully. But I also hear people, and this is a little bit different, I hear people who say, I want community. And their heart isn't broken, but they're more... They're more like a dissatisfied customer. I came looking for, for community, and I've put in my time, and I'm not getting any return on that. And if that's more how you feel, I hope you're convicted this morning. I hope you hear the words of Jesus and you're convicted. And you keep loving others. Jesus doesn't say, love for a while and see what happens, and if it doesn't work out, then you're free to go to somewhere else. He says, love each other. You, each of us, do the loving. So if you are one of those people who feel like, 
I'm trying and my heart is broken and I feel alone, I'm offering you or I'm praying encouragement. I'm speaking encouragement for you today. But if you're on the other side and you're sort of feeling more like a customer, like, like community isn't convenient enough for you, I hope you're convicted. That you hear this this morning and you are convicted and you hear Jesus saying, love each other. I'm going to stand up here. I'm not going to stand up here and, and, and just blow rainbows and roses at you. Community is difficult. Church family is messy. Especially if we're doing it right. Especially if we're welcoming people who don't look like us, who don't think like us, who don't dress like us. That's real community. And it's not easy. And I know it's not easy because the world around us, it drums consumerism into us and everything becomes disposable. Disposable cameras. Disposable diapers. Even disposable phones. I don't know how many of you have had a piece of electronic equipment when it breaks and you found out that it's actually cheaper to buy a new one than to fix the old one. Has anybody had that experience? That's by design. To make us buy more. Not to fix what we have, but to buy the new thing. The trouble is, when we have that enough, I think sometimes we start applying that to people and to relationships. Or it becomes easier just to get a new one. It's cheaper to get a new one than to fix the old one that's broken. To fix the relationships, even in churches, even church family, that are broken or hurting. People feel like it's easier just to go to the next church than it is to fix the relationships that are broken. I hear Jesus saying, love each other. Stick with each other even when it's difficult. Because Jesus didn't die for a club. He died on a cross for a family. For a family that sticks with each other that listens to each other when we have differences, that cares for one another, that keeps loving each other even when it's hard. This is the kind of family that Jesus died for. A family that's prophetic in the world around us. A family that stays together even when we hurt each other and we talk it out. (laughs) We have that courage to say, you know, what you said the other day hurt. And the other has the, the, the courage to say, forgive me, I didn't mean to, or you're right, I'm sorry, I didn't realize. Or I did realize and I was just wrong, forgive me. That's how family handles things. When we're approaching family as consumers, someone hurts us and we just leave, we just don't go back. Like it was a restaurant or something where we got bad service, we just don't go back. That's not the kind of community that Jesus died for. He died that we would be a prophetic people. His family, that he commands us to love one another. To keep loving each other when it's hard. To keep loving each other and giving ourselves up for each other. This is the kind of family Jesus called us to be. This is what I heard him saying as he said, love one another twice in this passage. A couple weeks ago, we... Um, we talked some about the application of this together as a church. Like, how do we love one another? 
And I loved that conversation. Rather than me trying to think about ways that we can apply this in our lives, I'm really interested to hear from you. How do you love each other? What suggestions do you have for us? So here's, and I've been thinking about this, and I'm grateful. Like, I hope this conversation keeps going of you thinking, like, how can I tangibly um, love someone or keep talking about it together? But I want us to do just one thing this week, just taking one thing from what we've been talking about today is that we would look for uh, a way to tangibly love at least one person in our church family this week. Whatever that looks like for you. Like God has made all of you uh, in unique and beautiful ways. So one way, at least one way, at least one person that you will bless in our church family this week. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, Lord God, I'm grateful for your word, Lord Jesus, that you have loved us as your Father loved you and that we can remain in your love. I'm grateful that's the place we begin. Lord, help us as we love one another, a prophetic people, people who speak prophetically into our culture by the way that we love each other when it's difficult, when it costs us, when it requires sacrifice. Lord, help us as your family to love each other this way. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.